I want to introduce our special guest speaker today. I preached on Mother's Day, and she is going to preach on Father's Day. Well, I preach every week. I know that. But I want you to give it up for the illustrious, the most amazing preacher I know, and that is Joni Franklin. Come on, give it up for her. Thanks. <clears throat> well, I've heard it said that dads are like chocolate chip cookies. <clears throat> I know they love to eat, at least our dads love to eat chocolate chip cookies. Uh, they may have some chips or be totally nutty, but they are sweet and they make the world a better place, especially for their kids. I thought, you know, we've got to have a dad joke on Father's Day, and I thought that was a pretty good one. But <clears throat> one of the things that uh, we've been talking about lately at our house is this new vocab that um, the new generation has this younger generation, they, they have these words that are crazy, and um, I don't understand all of them, and I'm like, that can't be a real word, and I look it up, and it's like, in, it's in the Google, and it really means what they said it means, and I'm like, oh. Anyway, one of those words that I just learned recently was the word truism. Have you guys heard of that word before? It's probably not as new as I think it is, but a truism is, um, according to the Webster Dictionary, is a statement that is obviously true and says nothing new or interesting. Um, or it can be defined in the Urban New Dictionary. A truism is a short statement that reminds us of a simple truth. Uh, some of these statements are embedded into our hearts. You've probably heard some of them. You probably say some of them. You just didn't know you did this because, you know, us older generation, we don't know about the ways of the newer ones. But Anyway, Ricky and I thought of a few that um, we say in our family and in our life, and then I thought of a bunch from my dad. They were just flowing. When I get to my dad's, you'll love it. You know, do y'all like lists? I love lists. In fact, I love lists so much, I remembered that one time I bought a book of 1,000 lists just to have it. I don't know, but anyway, I love lists. So this is a little list of some truisms that we say in our family. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. You might have heard that one. This one I know you've heard us say, change brings growth and growth brings change. That's a true one. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Here's one you hear on Christian television if you watch it at all. God's will, God's bill. Love that one. Number five, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Come to my house, you're probably going to hear that a couple of times. Um, delayed obedience is disobedience. That's a really good one. Uh, this one was from Ricky's dad. He would say he was a carpenter and he would always say, measure twice, cut once. And number eight, this one was from our pastor in Florida. He used to say this a lot and it meant a lot to us back then. And now I don't really like this one that much, but the more you sweat in preparation, the less you bleed in the battle. But you know, I don't really like to sweat. Okay. So here's some from my dad. You know, my dad taught me a lot of things. A lot of people, they'll say things to me, and, and then I'll think later, and I'll think, oh, I probably got that from my dad. Uh, you know, good or bad. And I thought he was maybe going to be able to be here today. He's, they, we moved mom in, for all of you that don't know this, on Thursday. Ricky and I have been, and the kids, have been working tirelessly. We started on Monday and uh, took a few breaks a couple days off and then just working from time we got back from wherever we were to 
midnight, 1 o'clock, just rearranging the house, moving, getting ready to move mom in. And then Thursday morning, Ricky and Joseph and I got up super early, drove to Abilene, packed her up, and brought her back and moved her in to our bedroom. And then we moved upstairs. So it's been a crazy week of rearranging and reorganizing and all of that. But um, anyway, I, you know, especially during this time, I was thinking a lot about my dad. And my dad taught me a lot of lessons. I think it was Susan, you posted something on Facebook about what did your dad teach you? And that really just kind of got the, the thoughts going. But I thought, you know, there's a lot of good that our dads teach us. And dads, you can also teach us some things that aren't that great. So we gotta <laughs> we got to be careful with that. But the good things that my dad taught me, which was a lot, was how to love people and how to be hospitable. We always had people in our home. We always were feeding somebody, housing somebody, helping somebody. And that was just something that was so ingrained in me. The foster care, my parents were foster parents. He was visiting in a, a hospital one day and met this little girl that needed a home. And all of a sudden, instantaneously, we become foster family. And so, of course, I grew up and I did that. And, and then we took it to the next level and we adopted children. And, you know, so there's that one truism that says what you do in moderation, your kids will do in excess. And that's probably one of those that was true of us. You know, but there's other things, too, that, that that applies to. These truisms, they can apply to a lot of areas of your life. But um, one of the things he taught us was what you pay for is what you get. You get what you pay for. In other words, by budget, you get budget. Anybody found that to be true? He would say this all the time. If a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. So if you know them, you can say them with me. This one you might not have heard. He, would, he always says there's no shortcuts, no shortcuts. How many of you have tried to take a shortcut and then it ends up taking you twice as long or here we go around the mulberry bush, you know, type thing. Um, okay, here's one I know you know. A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Honesty is the best policy. You have to walk in integrity. My dad says that all the time. Can I see what? Oh, okay, not for me. Uh, anyway, I have a little timer going here because I am going to not get you out of here early today. I mean, I am not, not, I didn't mean to say that. Okay. Here's another one. Number six, haste makes waste. You sow and you, what comes around? What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Have you heard that one? Ricky's mom used to say that a lot. What's down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. And then here's one that my mom probably said more than my dad, but if you play with matches or fire, you're going to get burned. So we were thinking about this, and my brother was telling me when we were, we were talking about some of these things Dad had said to us, and, and my brother started telling me about a time when he was playing with matches. And I just want to tell you this because it's so funny, and I know some of you can relate, but my dad throughout my life has set a lot of things on fire. So one time he was, like, burning leaves, and then he decided to put the leaves. We were at a cabin, by the way, a rented cabin. And I don't know why he wanted to burn the leaves. It's not our cabin. Why do you need to burn the leaves? But he burned the leaves, and then he decided to put the leaves in a trailer that was sitting nearby, like parked. Like the, and they weren't all done burning, apparently, and the trailer caught on fire and 
the fire truck had to come and he had to buy the people a new trailer. Okay, so that was one thing. There was a time he used to burn trash. Remember the days when you had to burn trash and you didn't have the trash man come around, so you had a burn barrel and then you had the barrel of stuff you couldn't throw into the burn barrel, but your brothers always wanted to go out there and throw the aerosol can in there to see what would happen if you threw it in there in the burn barrel and, you know, all kinds of things. So, you know, there was that time that he was doing that and he was burning things and then, like, before he knew it, he turned around and then the field is on fire and then there was the time here at New Day when Jacob Rose was out mowing the grass. I don't know if y'all remember that. I see Ryan laughing. VBS, like, you know, full swing, and hundred and some kids running around, and Jacob Rose catches the backfield on fire. We have all of South Lake fire trucks ensuing upon us as people are dropping off their children for, for VBS. Anyway, um, there's just been all these fire stories. Well, my brother Steve, whenever it was time to do the dishes, he would always secretly, mysteriously, I should say, not secretly, we knew what he was doing. It would take us a minute to find him, but we would always figure it out. He would disappear because he never wanted to do the dishes. And so one of these particular days when he was hiding from his dishes job in the bathroom, uh, he was in there and uh, he was lighting up some matches because, you know, it smelled. So he needed to refresh the air with some matches. And he saw a little plastic pink hairpin. Do you guys remember those? Did anybody remember when you were a kid and your mom had the little plastic pink hair bobby pins? Like, but they were plastic, not metal. And this idea comes to his head, just pops in there. You should try to see if that will burn. And so he was, he was thinking he was being smart by putting it over the trash can. And he, you know, he's got the match and he's holding the hairpin there, the plastic hairpin. And it creates these little melted little fireballs. He describes them as little mini fireballs were dropping into the trash can, and it was so fascinating. He was like, wow, this is the greatest fire ever. Like, ooh, fire, it's so pretty. And so they're dropping in the trash can, and what he wasn't thinking about was there was toilet paper in that trash can. And so, of course, the toilet paper ignites into big flames, and he wasn't paying attention because he was watching the little fireballs drop down. And before he knew it, the bathroom curtains were on fire. Well, about this time, my mother is smelling smoke. How many you know where there's fire there's smoke and so she's smelling the smoke she comes banging on the door you've got to come out do your dishes and then she's like I smell smoke what's going on open this door right now about that time he said blessings good thing this happened they had a hose attached to their to the bathtub thing like a handheld thing like a little handheld shower dilly and he said you know his senses came to him and as he saw the flames engulfing the curtains and he flipped on the shower and was able to grab the hose and put the fire out of course my mother was none too happy about any of this but the point is if you play with fire you're gonna get burned and uh my favorite all-time family fire story and there are many many but uh the one and only time my mother let me have a slumber party I was 12 years old, 25 little girls at my house, and uh, we're running around. We had so many. Well, the reason I had so many is because I had my church friends and my school friends, and I didn't want anyone to be left out because I wanted everyone to be happy and no one to be mad at me. And so we invited, my mother said, fine, invite them all. She's a little mercy gift. She just always, okay, it'll be all right. And so here come all these little girls and uh, their sleeping bags, and we were everywhere all over our house. I just remember being so funny, so fun. We had so much fun. But uh, for some reason, my dad decides he's going to, clean out the wood stove. I don't even know why we had a wood stove in Hobbs, New Mexico. Why would anyone need a wood stove in Hobbs, New Mexico? It's never the cold there. I don't know why. Don't know why it was running and why he had fire in it. But again, we love fire. We build fires even when we don't need them. 
So he decides he, there was some ashes and some dirt around the bottom of the wood stove. He's going to get the central vac. You know what a central vac is? Some of you don't know what that is, but it's like a vacuum cleaner inside the walls of your house. And so this was an older home. It was kind of fancy when we moved in. It was old, but it had this vacuum cleaner. It was the first time I'd ever seen one. Anyway, he's vacuuming all around, and lo and behold, he kind of turns or something. He doesn't realize he's got the, the vacuum in the in the, the wood stove, the door was open, and he sucks up. The thing was so powerful, it sucked up one a hot piece of ember that was kind of by the edge into the central vac system. And before you know it, yes, you got it. So this hot ember goes through the dust of all the walls to the central vac system, which is out in the garage or the laundry room or somewhere, and it catches on fire. And so, of course, our house is filled with smoke. And 25, not an exaggeration, my mother says, she'll verify, there were 25 little girls running around screaming, fire, 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 as we're out in the yard in our pajamas and the fire people come. Anyway, my own son, Nate, where is Nate today? Nate's had some fun with fire, fascination with fire. You'll have to ask him about that, though. He'll have to tell you himself. But, you know, in the Bible, it talks about fire a lot. In fact, over 510 times the word fire is mentioned in the Bible. How many of you guys are fire lovers? Do you like to start fires, campfires? We've had some campfires before. I'm going to tell you about one in a minute. Well, my first thoughts about biblical fire make me think of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I think King Nebuchadnezzar must have really loved fire. Because he builds this fire pit, okay, this fiery furnace. Now, I've tried really hard to imagine it. VeggieTales does help me out a lot. If you've ever watched VeggieTales, I hear some of you laughing. You know about this VeggieTales. But this fiery pit that he builds, I can't even really grasp my mind around it because it had a door. How did the door not burn down if the people throwing people into the fire pit are dying because of the flames? How did this door not burn up? I don't even know. I can't even imagine it. But in my mind, I imagine, you know, modern day, and maybe it has some fireproof glass or something because he could obviously see into this fiery furnace that he built. Now, when you look at fire in the Old Testament, fire was used as a punishment. There were a lot of evil things people did with fire. God says a whole bunch of times, stop sacrificing your children in the fire. This is what they would do. They would serve other gods, and in order to appease their gods, they would throw their children into the fire and, and burn their children. It was horrible. Um, and then, of course, that's exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar was doing here. He decided that he was going to use this as a form of punishment. And he was going to burn people in this fire if they did not bow down to his fancy idol that he made. So, you know, we don't have a lot of details about maybe what his furnace looked like or what he used it for other than a form of capital punishment. Daniel 3.6 says fire, it's talking about the, um, the fire used uh, throughout the uh, Old Testament mainly is for execution purposes. Nebuchadnezzar exercises this form of capital punishment for the disobedience of a royal decree, and he uh, is death by fire. It's brutal. It's a painful kind of death. So Nebuchadnezzar, this is we're going to pick up in chapter, chapter 3 of Daniel in uh, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar says to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, now, as you know, most of you know this story. Let me just give you a little background of it. The, the children of God are in exile. They're, they're in Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're already in leadership. God has kind of let them rise up out of this. God's using them. And, um, and now 
King Nebuchadnezzar has built this 90-foot, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think 90 feet, where's, where's Mr. Mike? Mike Martin, is he not in here? I was thinking 90 feet. Would that be nine stories tall? Like if you were comparing it to a building, wouldn't that be nine? So a nine-story foot, but it was only nine feet wide, which blows my mind. I don't know how it, how it did that. But anyway, 90, 90 feet high, and, this, and it's all made of gold and silver, and it's this ugly, ugly statue. And he's, he's made this decree that everybody in the whole kingdom is going to come and bow to his idol. And if you don't, you're going to get thrown into his big favorite fire pit. And so uh, this is where we're picking up in Daniel 3.14. Nebuchadnezzar says to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, Is this true that you refuse to serve my God and to worship this gold statue I have set up? And then in verse 15 it says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made. When you hear the music, the instruments, you will bow down. And if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God he says, and then he says, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he thought he was so wise in all his power, didn't he? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not even need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, God whom we serve is able to, ser- to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And verse 18, this is our key verse today. But even if he doesn't, everyone say, even if. Even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your God or worship the gold statue you have set up. If he doesn't, even if God, even if God, let us make it clear to you, we will never serve your idol. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. God, this privilege, God. Lord, I am yours, God. I cry out to you, Abba. Lord, Abba, Father, God, let these words be your words, not mine. God, would you come, and would you come in your spirit and your power? Would you touch hearts? God, would you do what only you can do in this place today? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Say it with me. When you walk. Say it this way. Say, when I walk. When I walk, I will not be burned. Almost one year ago, my feet began a journey, a walk, if you will, through a blazing fire. This fire shook me to my core. Some of you today... I hope you'll find yourself relating to what I'm about to tell you. Maybe you're at the beginning of your fire journey, your walk through the fire. Maybe you're in the midst of it, and you're thinking to yourself, is this ever going to end? Or maybe you're coming out, and today is your day to come out, to walk out. But many of you, hopefully, will be able to relate to what I'm saying to you. It's not... My story is not going to be the exact same as your story, but I'm hoping you'll be able to insert into what I'm saying to you whatever it is that you are personally going through. But almost a year ago today, beginning in January of 2018, the Lord began to speak to me. We were seeking him. We were saying, Lord, what is the the word for the year? That's what we love to do at the beginning of January. We say, Lord, what is this year going to look like? It's kind of like that one word that kind of declares over everyone. I don't know if you remember a few years back, we even got T-shirts that said advance. So that year was going to be a year of advancement. 
One year was together. Together we'll do it. We're bringing unity together. So we were praying and seeking the Lord for this word. And I called my sister and I said, Jackie, I said, what is the Lord speaking to you? What is your word? And she said, well, you go first. No, I said, you go first. And so we did this little game. And finally we said, one, two, three, say your word. And so we did it. And both of us were so excited because we both got the same word. We got the word that we would be overcomers, that this would be a breakthrough year. Everybody say, overcomers, breakthrough year. This would be the year of breakthrough. Hallelujah. We were so excited. We began to daydream about all of our possible breakthroughs. What could this word possibly mean? Would this mean we would break out of financial problems? Would this mean all of our wayward children would come back to him and and be on fire for God? What would this mean? Would this mean we would have the most amazing marriages and husbands? All of our prayers for our husbands would come true. What did this breakthrough look like? Would it be for the church? Would there be revival at New Day? Would there be explosive growth? Yes, Lord. Yes, we're ready. We're ready for breakthrough, God. This would be the year of breakthroughs. We would be overcome. It would be an overcoming year. We were so excited. We were filled with faith and expectancy. By the end of January, my sister realized that she had this kind of growth, like a cyst on her back. She had come to visit us, and she was at mom's, and the growth kind of burst, and it was weird. And she said to her husband, we've got to go home. And so she went home. By February, we were aware that that little cyst was a large tumor, melanoma. And she had two more under her arms, her one arm, her left arm. And uh, by March, treatments began. April... Treatments weren't doing anything. Six weeks, they told us, by six weeks, Mark, you're going to see a huge improvement. This is curable. Don't you worry. Not a problem. Now, at this point, my mom and dad, which I don't know, a lot of you might not know this unless you've known me for a long time, but mom and dad have both been healed of cancer, like completely healed three times each. Three times. Dad had esophageal cancer. They were going to cut out part of his esophagus, his stomach. They didn't have to do any of that. God completely healed him. It was gone. Uh, He had bladder cancer. I mean, all of these things. They, they, They have dealt with cancer. So to us, oh, cancer, no big deal. God's going to heal it. I mean, that's really was our attitude because we just thought, well, mom and dad have been healed each time of cancer. And the doctors were telling her, this is curable. We can take care of this. We can do surgery. We can do treatments. We can do these things, and this is going to be okay. So that's what we're expecting. In March, when she called me and she said, the treatments aren't doing anything, my numbers aren't changing, they told us there's this little chart. They gave her a chart, and they started with the numbers, and they told her what this is going to go down, this is going to go down, this is going to go down. And she said, my numbers are staying the same. And I was like, well, huh. And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe it's messed up because maybe that's God's way of healing you or something. This is going to be a greater miracle, more glory for God, you know. Like, we just couldn't figure it out. April, nothing happened. We do a 40-day fast. And I say we, my sister, (laughs) did a 40-day fast. No, nothing but juice and water. She's crying out to God. We then develop a healing faith strategy. She called me on the phone. She said, okay. We're going to set up a strategy. We're going to make a list. We're going to have a plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to set it forth. We're going to declare it, and we're not going to waver from it. So we said, okay, what would that look like? We planned it out. Physically, she will eat only cancer-fighting foods, no more sugar, no more caffeine, 
spiritually. She will memorize and declare God's word over her life daily. By the time of the end, we had 135 scripture verses about healing and God's goodness that we had memorized, that we were declaring daily. Uh, Don't forget the words of our mouth will declare only the word of the Lord. If it's not the word of the Lord, it's not coming out our mouths. Got it? Got it. Our new motto was, we will live and not die. That was the promise of the Lord. It's an overcoming year. We're going to have breakthrough. This is where we were. So we should have had T-shirts made of all of this. We wanted to. We talked about it because we knew it's an overcoming year, a breakthrough year. May comes, new tumor in her hip. Now it's in her bones. Treatments aren't working. June 5th. She goes into the doctors. They tell her, we're stopping the treatments. There's no sense. There's nothing we can do. You'll be lucky if you make it to Christmas. Again, no worries. God will be glorified. We will overcome. This is a breakthrough year. That's what God said. June 22nd, my sister decides we need to take a trip to Redding, California. And we're going to go to the healing rooms because in Redding, California, at Bethel Church, they have decided to pray and contend for healing from cancer. It's a proven fact. Their city will help you, will, will show it to you that since they've been praying this, cancer has gone down by 30% in their city. So we thought, okay, the well is fresh there. There's people getting healed from cancer. We knew of a person personally that had flown out there, got prayed for, was completely healed. This is what we were doing. So I loaded up my mother. She was also sick at that time. <laughs> we drive, we fly, her and I fly her out to California. My sister and her husband and her daughter rent a car, a van, and they drive to Redding, California from Bozeman, Montana. We meet in Redding. She doesn't come to the airport. We get off the plane. There's my brother-in-law. can tell he's been crying. Why isn't she here? Well, on the way here. We're in the hotel, we're getting out of the hotel room, and something happens to her hip. She sneezed, a simple sneeze. And at that time where that cancer was in her hip, it shattered her bones. And she was no longer able to walk or move, this resulting in just excruciating pain. And so she had a choice to make. They could go to the hospital and not make it to Reading and probably end up spending a lot of time there until she died. It was the thinking that... or. She said, we will believe this is an overcoming year, and we will overcome, and we'll have a breakthrough. I'm not going to do that. We are going to go to Reading. And there were two guys who were working the front desk of this La Quinta, which is a, a miraculous story behind that. There's just so, many, so much to all of this that someday I hope I can tell you everything. But they were working there, and they had been to Bethel to their Bible school. And when she came in and checked in, Dave had gone and asked him, because he didn't have a wheelchair, he had asked him, do you have a wheelchair? I need a wheelchair for my wife. And amazingly, they did. They had one. And not all hotels do. I don't know if you're aware of that. And so he gets the wheelchair, and they end up helping him. And they take her to the room. They get her from the car to the bed. It's a grueling process. She's in so much pain. And those men, those two guys, those young men, just felt so much compassion for her that they looked for any excuse they could to go back and knock on the door because they knew God was telling them to go pray for her, but they didn't have, like, they just didn't know if they could do it. So she calls them, and she's like, can we have some more pillows? And they were just jumping up and down that they get to go to her room. So they both come with 
of this pile of pillows. And they said, God told us to come and pray for you. Are you a believer? And she said, yes, I am. And they began to pray for her. And God miraculously healed that hip and that bone. And complete healing came. She didn't even need the wheelchair. So this is a miraculous thing. This is a miraculous thing. This is all happening while Dave's picking us up at the airport. We don't even know. And so he's telling us, oh, she broke her leg, da da da, da. And there she is. She's getting this healing, this breakthrough. It's overcoming, overcoming, overcoming. So I was getting a little confused because we, we had to fly into Sacramento. You can't fly right into Reading. So that's why we weren't out in Reading yet, while we had a hotel there that night. So the next day, we're able to go on to Reading to go to the healing rooms. We go to the healing rooms, and now we're really excited because God has begun something. Something happened. We had this breakthrough. It gave us so much hope. It gave us faith. It, man, we were charged up. We're going to go to the healing room. We're going to get everything she needs. God's going to do this because it's an overcoming year. Our breakthrough is here. It's happening right now. We're just imagining all the great things that are going to come of this. we go to the healing rooms, we receive the healing by faith, we attend the services, they had a fire tunnel, it was amazing, I went through three times, I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but I call that double dipping, only I probably did it triple dipping, and it was amazing, we attended uh, everything that they had that entire weekend, whatever we could find, and some extra things, there were people who came from all over that heard about her and came and prayed for her. They came to the hotel room. People were knocking on the door like crazy. I just couldn't believe it. And I just thought, this has to be God. How else? This is so God. People are coming. Um, June 29th, we headed back home. And on that last day, we were five hours from her house back in Bozeman. Mom and I are in the van with them now, heading back to Montana with them. And we get home and progressively, I, no, I noticed my brother-in-law's driving faster and faster and faster through these mountain passes and curves, and I'm getting sicker and sicker and thinking, oh, God, what is going on? And, and I see my, my sister is kind of fading, and I'm thinking, no, 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 we're healed, we're healed, what's going on? We get back home, and my brother-in-law says, Joni, I've got to take this rental car back, but you're going to be okay, just sit here with her, whatever. And my mom, we get my mom all settled in, and my sister's in the chair, and I come back over to her, and I'm trying to talk to her. She's not there. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a breakthrough year. We're overcomers. You will live and not die. And I'm shouting in her face. And she blinks her eyes back open. She comes back. She's like, I don't know where I went. I was in a long, dark tunnel. I couldn't see you, but then I could hear your voice saying, come back, come back. So she comes back, and I'm thinking, okay, 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 that was close, but we're still here. We take her to the hospital. We spend all night in the hospital only the next morning to find out the cancer has spread like a fire through her body, blazing fire, now in her lungs, in her stomach. <sighs> the same time, my mom, because of the hotels we were staying in and all the cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, gets pneumonia. So I'm on one side of the hospital in the ER with mother. My sister's on the other side of the hospital fighting for her life. Miraculously, we get back to her house two days later. We're now on hospice. We have the nurses coming, the oxygen. And as soon as the nurse walks out of the room, she says, now get that strategy out. Go get me some poster boards. Go get this. Go get that. And we're like 
just running everywhere. We're writing poster boards. We fill the whole room with every promise of God, every word that was ever spoken. I mean, we get that strategy out, and we make sure we're following that strategy to the T. We are going to get a breakthrough because this is our our year of breakthrough. We're going to be overcomers. (sighs) This was now becoming a very long walk for me through the fire. It wasn't quite as quick as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's firestorm. But it was blazing hot. But it's an overcoming year, year of breakthrough. Daily we're proclaiming, worshiping, fasting, praising, praying, begging God to do what only he can do. Waving flags, you name it, we did it. Called every prayer line. I called every healing evangelist, sent emails. You would not believe the big names, if I were to name drop right now, that called her on the phone and prayed for her over the phone. I mean, you name it. We sought them out and asked them to pray, and they did. We had people bringing prayer cloths from all over the place. We were late. She was covered. It was like a patchwork quilt, but they weren't all sewn together. Prayer cloths. We were going to get her healed. We were going to get that healing because it's a breakthrough year. We did everything humanly possible to press through for our breakthrough to overcome. July came. Family came. We prayed. We walked. The fire blazed hotter every day. Our faith never wavering. We would overcome. It would be a breakthrough year. Let's go back to Daniel. Let's look at verse 19. I think it's interesting. It says right above it, the blazing furnace. They had to just kind of make that stand out to you. The blazing furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, who was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face became distorted with rage. There is so much in this little passage of scripture right here. People who are controlling, when you don't do what they want you to do, and the devil is trying to control you, and you, you stand up to that, he, he will rage against you for sure. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into this blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed. I'm I'm glad the Bible includes this part. Turbans, robes, and other garments. Completely dressed. They're tied up. Verse 22, and because, I love that little and, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Oh, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Now, I love this. This is, I found this on um, the Bible study app uh, for this verse. It says, fell down. It's the same aromatic word here that is used in verse 6 where they indicated as an act of worship, the three Hebrew youths fell into the fire because they would not bow down before the image. In other words, they made themselves fall because there was no way they were going to bow. Then suddenly, everybody say, but suddenly. I love the suddenlies of God. There are so many suddenlies of God. If you ever want to do a fun Bible study, look up the word suddenly in the Bible on the app and look at all the suddenlies of God. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumps up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, he says, look, everybody, look. 
Nebuchadnezzar shouting now, I see four men unbound and walking around in the fire. Everybody say, walking around in the fire. They're unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. Praise God. <laughs> How do you think he knew he was the Son of God? What do you think he looked like? How did he know and distinguish? How did Oh, Mr. King Nebuchadnezzar, who was so full of himself that everyone should worship his idol and do what he says, or a death for sure, death by fire. Well, how did he know what the Son of God looked like? Was Jesus glowing in the fire? I mean, imagine, just take a second and try to figure this out in your human brain. How did this happen? (laughs) When you encounter the Lord you know it's the Lord. There's no question or doubt. King Nebuchadnezzar was having an encountering moment with God. He knew. He saw the Lord, and he knew it was him. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could get to that door of the flaming furnace, and he shouts, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. They stepped out. Every fire we walk through, There is a time when we step out. Now, they may have gone through the fire, but they didn't even smell like smoke. Not a hair on their head was singed, not even on their eyebrows. Have you ever been at the grill, guys, out there at the grill, and then you open the thing, and then like, whoosh, you get your eyebrows singed off? Yeah, fire stories. We love them. Psalms 23, 4, yea, though I walk through the darkest valley. Another version says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Deuteronomy 3, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, 8, the Lord repeats himself. The Lord himself, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Joshua 1.5, no one will ever be able to stand against you in all the days of your life. I will never leave you or forsake you. The Good News Version translates Isaiah 43 like this. Though you pass through deep waters, passing through, I will be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire... You will not be burned. The hard trials, everybody say hard trials, that come will not hurt you. The fire is going to come whether you want it or not. Hard trials will come whether you want it or not. Life is hard. They come. The valley of the shadow of death will come. Will come. You think it won't. You think this is never going to happen to me? You think, why, God? Of all people, why? I mean, if I was going to pick somebody to allow cancer to rivet their body, I don't think I would pick the one that's loved me my whole life, served me, never wavered. My sister never wavered for God, not one second, not as a teenager. Not any point of her life did she ever waver from God. Even through the cancer, she never one time wavered. In the pain and the most horrible part, did she waver 
ever. Her faith was so strong, so strong. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through the fire. The fire came. The valley of the shadow of death came. Their response was, let's go back to the beginning, their response of what they said. They said, our God is able. We will overcome. This will be a breakthrough year for us. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They said, God is able, but even if our God does not, we will not bow to your idol. Even if our God does not. Everyone say that. Even if our God does not. We have to come to the point in our lives where we're willing to say, God, no matter what, I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. There's not going to be any unanswered prayer. There's not going to be any pain too deep. There's not going to be any hurt. There's not going to be any worldly pleasure luring me. There's not going to be anything, God, that's going to keep me from worshiping you and you alone. No other idols in our life. July 13th, Ricky and the kids had come, and we were headed back home. Honey, it's time to come home. You come take care of your family. And uh, (laughs) won't forget this day, probably ever. I went in 6 o'clock in the morning, and she was alive, and she was bright, and she was strong, and we sat down on her little couch in her room. We hugged, and we cried, and with confidence, full confidence that the Lord was going to heal her completely. She would live and not die. I said goodbye to her without even a thought that this could be the last time. I didn't even think it because I knew my God was able. This would be a breakthrough year. We would overcome. We drove away. There were so many, so many things. There, there's so many details. I'm, I'm just for time's sake, I can't tell you all of them. There's just so many. But as we were driving away, the verse came to me: "The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me." And I realized. I thought, you know what? Even if she does die, maybe death is the answer. So I started thinking that, and I literally started praying, okay, Lord, let her die. Let it happen quick, because here's what I had figured out. I had this all planned out. She's going to die. She's going to go have this amazing encounter with God. She's going to come back. We're going to go on Sid Roth. Anybody watch Sid Roth? You should watch Sid Roth. Look him up on YouTube. promise you won't be disappointed. It's amazing testimonies. We're going to go on Sid Roth. We're going to tell our story. We're going to write a book, Faith Like Jackie's, Strategy, How to Get Your Healing, Whatever You Need, Nothing's Too Big for God. This was the answer. Death was the answer. How come I hadn't figured this out before? Finally, I got all the answers. She's going to die. We're going to resurrect her. We'd always prayed. Ricky, his whole life, he would say, he would preach it. Someday, I'm going to do what the Bible says, and I'm going to raise the dead to life. And I would say, shut up. I don't want it to be one of our kids. Our kids have no fear. Don't tell them that. Don't say that. So I thought, this is it. We're going to raise her back to life. And, oh, God's going to be glorified. All of her wayward children, everything, all the prodigals everywhere will come back to God because God did this miracle. I had the answer. Figured it out right here. Yep. We would travel the world 
praying for the sick. Surely this was it. It was an overcoming year. It's our breakthrough. Daniel 3.27, the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them. Everyone's crowding around them. See, this was it. I knew it. Saw the fire. They had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothes was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Everybody say, who trusted? They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. What kings, what idols do we need to defy in our lives today? What is that thing that we're putting before the Lord? Is it our finances? Is it money? The Bible talks about money. Is it pleasure, worldly pleasure? What is it? What is that thing? Is there anything that you have allowed to be before the Lord? Daniel 3.29, therefore I make this decree, if any people, whether their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb. Their house will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Promotion. There has to be some kind of refining fire before that promotion comes, that next level. Some of us, we want to go to that next level so bad, we cry out. Some of us have cried out for years, Lord, we want to do this. We want to do this for you. We want to do this great thing. We want this. But the minute the door of the fiery furnace is open to us, we get a little bit close, and the fire, we start to feel the heat a little bit. And what do we do? We run. (laughs) Some of us run. We don't want to go through that refining fire to get to that next place of promotion where God has for us. June or July 19th, my sister Jackie Jones was promoted. She received her promotion. She overcame. She broke through. It was her year of breakthrough. She broke through the veil of earth, and she entered into her heavenly reward. She was completely healed. There was no cancer in her body. <laughs> She was there giving glory to God. Was this the answer I had looked for? Was this my, my answer? How could this be? How could this happen? She didn't come back. Prayed her back. Two and a half hours. Seemed like a minute. Screaming at God. It's time for her to come back. Jackie, you come back in Jesus' name. Remember the prophetic words over your life. Remember, we're going to India. That was our dream. We're going to do this. Two and a half hours. We had prayer groups set up strategically. Two in California, two here in Texas, one in Montana. People surrounded her house. But there's pictures of it on Facebook. And uh, it was pretty crazy. At exactly the same time, All of our phones started blowing up after two and a half hours. Ding, 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 ding. All of us saying, you can stop praying. We have a peace. She's not coming back. And this overwhelming peace. We were in our bedroom. All of my kids were in there. 
creep me out to God. I said I wasn't going to cry. The peace of God came in that room like I've never experienced before. We knew. We knew this is it. This is it. We all stopped. And we just laid there, sat there, whatever we were doing, just stopped. And for maybe half an hour, we just sat in the presence of the Lord, the peace of God just washing over us, cleansing us from all of that. We just... You know that song on the new Bethel album? The faithfulness of God. I can't listen to that song without just weeping because he's so good. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. Hmm. <sighs> we weren't uh, going to be obviously traveling the world together. I'm not saying I'm not going to travel the world. It's going to happen. Even if my God, that's what they said, even if our God does not answer and does not rescue us, I will not bow to your idol. I determined right then that I was not going to bow to the idol of fear Doubt, disappointment, anger, regret, pride, we weren't going to go there. Isaiah 43, when you pass through, when we think about passing through the waters and not drowning, (laughs) we immediately think of the children of Israel in the Red Sea. That's what pops into my mind. Their enemies were close behind them. The sea is in front of them. God parts the Red Sea, splits the waters miraculously. They walked cross the land, their enemies to be scattered and drowned. (sighs) For some reason, passing through water seems like a little bit less of a test of a fiery furnace. I mean, you can swim, right, in water. Maybe you could grab on a piece of wood and float. It just sort of seems like passing through waters is not quite as dark and luminous as this fiery furnace where the flames are so hot that they're burning people at the door. (laughs) So, okay, Lord, passing through. My mom's favorite verse in the Bible is it came to pass, period. It's really a verse. Look it up. When I think about the fire of God in the New Testament, I think about the fire of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Ricky's favorite topic. Sometimes he preaches so much on the Holy Spirit. Some of you have even told him, and others have told him, Honey, can you preach on something else? Like, you know, (laughs) the book of Acts. Think about water, passing through the water, and you think about water baptism. John baptized with water, but Jesus came with fire. You know what King Nebuchadnezzar meant as a death and a punishment, and what he was using was really coming to bring redemption. All of the people now in the Babylonian kingdom 
we're now worshiping the one true God. He said, from every nation. There were many nations there. Let me tell you something. On the other side of your fiery furnace, it's not just for a few. There are nations waiting for you to pass through. Nations. Let that sink in. You are created to affect the nations. Nations were affected. The fiery trials of the New Testament were refining, refining like silver and gold. They're to burn off all the flesh. It's a burning off of the flesh. And it's coming out, a resurrection, just like Jesus came up out of the grave, being resurrected in him in new life so that we can walk out in a victorious life. The kids have been doing the Enneagram. How many of you have heard of the Enneagram? If you're familiar with Enneagram, I need to see your hand because I want everyone to see that the younger people are. See, everybody look around. It's the younger ones again. So they've taken our little personality test. Now let me ask the older ones. Have you heard of a sanguine, a caloric, phlegmatic personality things? Okay, that was what we did in our day. Now they've made it all complicated with numbers, and you got this left-wing personality and this right. And I'm like, no, uh uh-uh. We're all just, we're whole in the Holy Spirit here, people. Anyway, we process things differently. But part of this Walking in this emotional health that you hear people talk about right now. It's just kind of a by thing, a buzz word going on in, in the secular realms is emotional health, stability. It's really about walking according to the spirit. And that's what I was telling the kids about personality. It's not about figuring out who your personality is and, and taming the bad side of your personality. It's about walking in the spirit of God where you crucify the flesh, where you let the fire of God refine you and take off all that is there. All that is there. Okay, there was a lot in me that I didn't even know was there that the Lord had to just shave off. And he said to me, are you going to allow me to use this to make you better or are you going to get bitter? Another one of those little truthisms. Better or bitter. Are you going to let the fiery furnace burn off all the ropes, all the things that bind you? What is it that binds you? What's in your heart of hearts? What's in your thoughts that keeps you bound up and keeps you from being free in the Holy Spirit, free in the fire of God? The fire of the New Testament is what keeps us walking on our walk. It's what gives us the power to overcome and be, have an overcoming year and have our breakthrough. It really is. One of Jackie's truisms was this statement that she said to me over and over during this time that she was going through this. She would say, Joni, your circumstances do not dictate your theology. Your theology has to be based on the word of God that is true and unfailing. Let me say it again. Your circumstances, what you are living in right now, what you are walking in, everything that is around you does not dictate your theology. Your theology must be based on the word of God. Let that sink in. Passing through the water seems a little less. We talked about that. Now we're walking through the fire. We're passing through the fire this next level. 
this place where you never thought you would walk, these temptations come that are so great, you never thought you would be tempted in these ways. Some of the thoughts, the valley of the shadow of death, some of those thoughts, some of those things that need to die, that's really what I think he's talking about. It's not necessarily about a physical death, but it's the things of the flesh that need to die off of our lives. Maybe it's the death of a dream. Maybe it's the death of, of a, a heart desire needs to come off. Maybe it's something you've lost, a loss so deep. Maybe it's even a relationship, a fatherly relationship or a lack of, brotherly, motherly, a wife, an ex-wife, an ex-husband. There's lots, lots of things you can insert there in this story. There are no shortcuts on this fiery walk. Stop resisting and allow the Holy Spirit to refine you today. Allow him to burn away the fear, the doubt, and to break through out of your idols. Stop being codependent on others for your salvation and your walk with God. It's time that we find the Lord and we seek him ourselves. We can't depend on money to be our source. Money is not our source. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and give you the grit that comes from the three Hebrew children had. They said, but even if our God does not, they were willing to die. Some of you have asked for things and you felt like God did not. He didn't answer. He didn't come through for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Numbness set in on me when I got home. The grief. Life started up again. Kids went back to school. I started back to work. Church life kicked right back in, just stepped right back into it. I allowed that numbness to keep me from God's word and from praying. I didn't want to face the emotions. I didn't want to think about it, didn't want to process it. I didn't have an answer. I couldn't figure it out. How could I have been so wrong? I wanted answers, and I wanted to know why. Why, God? Why have you done this? I numbed my pain with Hallmark Christmas movies. How terrible is that? But it was terrible. (laughs) Hour after hour, I laid on the couch watching the dumbest movies ever created on planet Earth. (laughs) I let the busyness of life come. I would try to be mad at God, but I couldn't. I couldn't even be mad at him. I knew I needed him. I tried to ignore him, but he would be faithful to his word, and he would never leave me. The end of December came, time for a new word for 2019. I found myself right back there in the back of this sanctuary by that fire extinguisher during a worship service, crying out to God. Once again, the peace of God flooded over me. The presence of God. I repented of my idols. I repented of my pride and my weary ways of walking away and ignoring him. And I asked him to be ever so gracious to me again. Would he come and would he just take all the heaviness and the grief and the appointment? Would he take? And he said, yes. I'm just still small voice, brought so much peace to my heart. There you can overcome. I am your through. Right back there by that fire extinguisher. And I walked out of the fiery furnace. And I was not the same as when I went in. 
<laughs> Jesus was with me. He never left me, never forsake me. Jesus is the great I am. He's everything our heart is crying out for, everything. Every desire, everything in us, it's, he's the great I am. He's everything we need. He's the answer. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. He's our healer. He turns our grief into mourning and gladness. He heals our broken bodies. He forgives our sins. Whatever we need, whatever we need, the fire is meant to change us so we can change a nation. It's meant so we can change our children, so we can change our lives, so we can touch our neighbors. Our neighbors need the Lord. <laughs> Our communities, our cities, our nation, our nation needs the Lord. God wants to use you to be nation changers. God redeemed the fire. He used it to bring restoration. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things, the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you imagine how this experience in the fiery furnace changed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego forever? They were now famous, known for the guys who survived the great fiery furnace. <laughs> One encounter with the Son of God. All the chains, ropes, whatever is binding us will fall off. All will be made right in that one suddenly moment. If you're wondering what the word for 2019 was, it's a new thing. God said, I'm going to do a new thing. It's so new, you've never seen it before. How can, you, if, how can it be new if we've already seen it? He said, don't compare it to the past. Don't long for the things of the past. Ask me for something new, something I've never done before. Something new is coming to New Day. It's happening. It's happening already. Growth is coming. The Spirit of God is coming. This will be a place of healing. We are going to pray for every sick person we can ever find. Why? And does it matter if God healed them right then or not? No. Because we're going to say to O King Nebuchadnezzar, huh, our God is able. He is able to do above, exceedingly above all we can think, ask, or imagine. But even if he doesn't, I'm not bound to that idol. I will stand. And I will worship only God. There will be nothing else in my life. Will you lean in to him today? Will you allow him to begin a new work in you? Will you let him use the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn off the selfishness, the pride, the worry, the doubt, the money problems, whatever it is that keeps you from being a nation changer? Will you do that? If you'll just bow your heads with me. Susan, can you come? God, we wait on you. 
we laid on you, Jesus. God, we repent. If there's anything in your heart, ask him to forgive you. It's so easy. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Just repent. Just say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for being angry at you. I'm sorry for blaming you for something you did not do. Sorry for my complacency for not praying. I'm sorry, God, that I haven't sought you first in my life. I'm sorry that I let your word slip from my hands, from my heart. I'm sorry, God, for the things I've decided, the things I did. God, come. Come in your glory. Refine us with your fire. Lord, that we can be overcomers. God, be our breakthrough. Jesus, you're the answer. You're the answer. stand with me as we close out but we don't want to close out without laying hands on some people because there are some people who need more than just a cursory closing prayer you need agreement so it's going to be real simple if you feel like you're in the middle of that fire that fiery trial, that fiery furnace, or you feel like you're just entering, we want to pray for you. For those of you that are coming out, we want you to pray for these that are going in in the middle of the fire right now. But if you feel like that right now you're in the midst of that, and it could be, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as what we've walked through this last year. Because for every individual, it's different. But if you feel like you're either entering into a fire or you're in the middle of that fire, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Just raise your hand. Say, we're going through some things. I'm going through some things. It may not be even your family. It may just be you. God wants to come and touch you today. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just keep your hand raised. Leadership, I want you to go right now and lay hands on these people. In Jesus' name, move quickly, move quickly. Keep your hand raised. I know that God gave my wife this message for a very specific purpose. This is the first time she shared this publicly. I know that God wants to touch some of you in a powerful way right here and right now. Anyone else? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, how many of you in this place say, I I have someone that's very close to me who's going through the fire right now. I want you to raise your hand. 
I have someone close to me that's going through a fire right now. And I want those of you next to you, just go ahead and open your eyes. And I want you to reach over. Someone's got their hand up. I want you to just reach over, touch them. You don't have to know their situation. You don't have to know the individual. You just reach over, touch them, agree with them in the name of Jesus. God, we just come before you for these that are going through the fire, God. We know that, that you are more than enough, Lord. And we're not, we're not so prideful that we're going to just sit here and say, oh, everything's perfect, everything's fine when it's not. God, we know that you said cast all your cares on you because you care for us. So we cast those cares on you, Lord. And God, I know that even now I hear this from the Lord, that he's big enough. He's big enough for your questions. He's big enough for your doubts. He's big enough for your fears. Do not hold on to those doubts. Do not hold on to those fears. Do not hold on to those questions. Give them to the Lord right now. Say, God, I give these to you. God, I give my, I don't understand, but I give that not understanding to you. God, I give you my doubts. I give you my fears. I give you my questions. I put them at your feet because, God, you're big enough. You're big enough to handle them. You're big enough to deal with them. God, and I pray that you would increase my faith. Increase my faith. Increase my faith in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to close with this. It says in Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over him. Who's him? The enemy who loves to put God's people in the fire. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. Amen. By the blood of Jesus. By the word of the testimony that God has given you. But also, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. God gave these individuals a special place in his kingdom because they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I want us all over this place to lift our hands and I want us to recommit to the Lord just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, no matter what happens, God, we will serve you. We will not shrink back even from death itself, God. God, because death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? You have no hold over me. The enemy has no hold on over me because even if it means my physical death, I will rise again with him. God, I love you and I praise you and I recommit my life. I recommit my hope is in you, Jesus. It's not in this life. It's in eternity. It's in eternity. It's in the sun. It's in the Son who walks with me through the fire and through the flame. God, I thank you and I praise you, God, that you are always with me. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me, God. God, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. Now, God, I pray a special blessing over this house, over every father, over every man, over every woman, child, teenager. God, we bless them in Jesus' name. You are blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You're blessed in the field and you're blessed in your home. Everywhere you go, you are blessed. And the blessing of Jesus overtakes you. The favor of the Father overtakes you this week in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that saying, 
amen and amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, dads. Don't forget to grab your special gift on the way out. And men and uncles, you can grab some too. God bless you. Thank you so much. Happy Father's Day.